You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Obviously, it's UFC 300 week in Las Vegas. Friday, also in Las Vegas, it's the second PFL event of the season. Had a great start on Thursday. Uh, Dakota Cheva with a solid win. You had Moldovsky on there. You had a bunch of uh, former Bellator fighters, Liz Carmouche, getting a win as well in her PFL debut. And so I want to let you know that the PFL is back on April 12th with the lightweights and light heavyweights throwing it down. Last week, it was the women's flyweights and the heavyweights. You've got names like Impa Kasangane, who, of course, uh, won the 2023 light heavyweight tournament. You also have Clay Collard and Bellator, former champ, one Patricky Pitbull is uh, is going to be on the card against Clay Collard. So if you're in Vegas for 300, go check him out. If you're at home, check him out over on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Uh, Plus. That is Friday, April 12th, live at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... No, Miss Marshall's Hour is back in your life on this Tuesday, January 17th, 2023. I got it right. Hello again, everyone. I sure hope you're doing well. It is great to be back in this chair with all of you some 20 hours since we said goodbye. Yesterday, Monday evening, of course, it's a special Choo Choo Tuesday edition of the program. And oh my, do we have a lot to discuss. Different kind of show. In fact, the MMA Hour slash Helwani Show historians will tell you that we've only done this three times before in the past. And we've only done it with one guest, one person in particular. First time we did it was back in 2016 with Nathan Diaz after... The first Conor McGregor fight. Second time we did it was in May of 2017 with Nathan Diaz after the second Conor McGregor fight and going into International Fight Week. Third time we did it was back in July of this year with Nathan Diaz once again right before the whole Hamzat fight booking thing went down. And so we've done it three times before just with one person. Today we get to add another name to that list and... Pretty amazing. Isn't it ironic, as the great Alanis Morissette once said, that it's Francis Ngannou, le prédateur, the pride of Cameroon, along with Nathan Diaz in the history books, considering their spot in the sport, considering their power, considering their leverage, considering their status, it's a pretty incredible thing. The stars are aligning for all of us. As always, we are presented by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. They are the official sports betting partner of this program. Uh, Go to DraftKings Sportsbook on your little phone or your device or your laptop or your PC. And when you sign up, 
put in the code, the MMA hour, that lets them know we sent you. We appreciate it very much. Why are we here? We are here because the most talked about man in the sport right this second is Francis Ngannou. He, as of Saturday, was the reigning defending UFC heavyweight champion, the baddest man on the planet. He beat Stipe Miocic to win that title in March of 2021. He successfully defended the title in January of 2022 against Cyril Ghan in a fight which he was down two rounds to none, injured, knee and all, gutted it out, won via decision, and that was the last fight on his contract. We've never seen a situation like this before. A champion, especially the heavyweight champion, fighting out his deal. Past year, surgery, recovery. We were all wondering what would happen. December, his contract expires. It expires. And there's a one-year matching period, but he was a free man to go out there and solicit offers. This past Saturday, just a few days ago in Las Vegas, Dana White at a press conference following the first UFC event of 2023 announced that they are booking a fight between John Jones at heavyweight, his heavyweight debut against Cyril Gunn for the vacant heavyweight title, meaning they are stripping Francis Ngannou of the belt. He is no longer the champion. They are moving on. And they also said verbally that they are waiving any matching rights. He could sign with someone if he wants today. Dana White had his say. We spoke about you know, the inaccuracies of what he said yesterday on the program. It's up on the YouTube channel, hour-long segment. Enjoy it after this. But everyone wants to hear from the man himself. You don't want to hear from me. You don't want to hear from Dana. You don't want to hear from anyone else but Francis Ngannou. He's a busy man. He's flying all over the world. But he is back home, at least for this moment, in Cameroon, where this all started, this journey all started for him, this amazing life of his all started, and he is kind enough to come on the program to break his silence and talk about everything that has transpired, his future, and so much more. Without further ado, let us say hello to Le Predateur, Francis Ngannou. Francis, my man, how are you? I clap for you, my friend. I I'm stand doing good, Arie. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate that. Francis, really good. I'm happy to hear yes. that. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for the time. I must say, I know that Always you are being you are being hit up by everyone, and I'm sure you could have gone in a million different directions. Thank you for coming on the show. It means a lot to me. I really, really, really do appreciate it. I want to ask you that question that I just asked at the very top there. How are you, Francis? This is a crazy time, a very hectic time. How, how are you doing on this Tuesday afternoon? Uh, listen, I'm doing great. I'm doing fantastic. You know... Um... Nothing strange. I mean, at some point, I fear even, even though, I mean, this situation, uh, when it happens, you know that it can happen at some point. In the past three years, I knew it could happen at some point. But when it happens, you know, you have like this feeling like, okay, so this is it, you know. But overall, you know, I'm like, I'm good, you know. I have no stress, feel very good about it, you know, even very happy. Um, and I knew that I did everything right. I don't have any regret. I wouldn't do anything different if I had to do. If I have to do it again, I would do. I will uh, do the same thing. So I'm very happy. I'm very satisfied. And uh, in the other hand, this is a sport. This is business. I have my personal life. I'm in Cameroon. I'm with my family. And at the end of the day, uh, this is what matter. You know, like I have my balance in life. 
I'm doing good. So okay. don't you worry about me. <laughs> I'm, I'm very, very happy to hear that. And I have a million questions to ask you, but I wanted to know how you were doing off the top. Um, could I then ask, did you know that all this would come out on Saturday? Did you get a heads up? Did you have any idea or did you wake up? Because I think you were somewhere outside of America when this broke. Like, did you just wake up Sunday morning to all this news? No, I was um, I saw, I was in Turkey. Then I saw that, like, uh, I saw those clips when it started. And I knew already what was happening. I know that that's how they operate. I know this, the strategy, you know. So I'm like, I'm not losing my sleep out of this. I went to sleep. And then I wake up in the morning and everything was all over and my phone was blowing up. I'm like, guys, leave me alone. <laughs> like life keep life keep uh, going on. The sun rises this morning, it's beautiful, life is good. All this it doesn't matter that much, you know. Okay. Um, so you weren't necessarily blindsided, that is good. When was the last time, Francis, that you spoke to the UFC? In other words, was there a moment where you guys spoke? And then it was like, all right, we can't come to a deal. We're going in a different direction. We're waving. Like, did they tell you all of this beforehand or did you learn new things in this press conference? Um, I mean, I guess because uh, the last time was Tuesday, last Tuesday. Okay, a week they ago. They wanted, they have to, yes, they have to make a fight uh, uh, a July, uh, March 4th. They have to announce that fight. So... They say, let's try one more time, get in the phone. And uh, I couldn't say yes about something. They, there wasn't a way that I would have just let him buy. It was just a matter of principle. And uh, at that time, I knew that, okay, this is it. They, won't, they didn't say it on the phone. They didn't say, okay, this is what's going to happen. But I knew. I knew how they do, you know. It's like bulldog. So I knew they were coming. Like... If I had something, um, you know, you know the the the, battle, the war is on. They are coming after you, and uh, but and I, uh, the past the next two days, I was thinking about it, and then was like, okay, did I do something wrong? Should I call back? Should this? Should this? Then I'm like, no way, I didn't do anything wrong. I, it's just about principle, and doesn't matter what happened. I stick with this principle. I'm good at the end of the day. And for the record, in these conversations, like the one uh, this past Tuesday, is it just you and someone at the UFC speaking? Uh, are there multiple people's on, people on the call? Who's involved in these discussions? It was me, Hunter Campbell, and uh, Mick Maynard. Okay, so it's the three of you. And, and, you, have, and uh, you have no one representing you. You're you doing was, this on your own. Yes, but... For some reason, uh, I don't know why, I feel like Dana White was in the room with Hunter. I had that feeling. He was in the room. He was sitting somewhere there listening to those conversations. Really? You felt that? You felt his presence? Yeah. Because he was like, okay, this is it. Like, let's knock this out. And uh, <clears throat> it didn't work out, unfortunately. How close did it get to working out? Like, were you very close in your mind? Uh, it's a very tough way to say it, you know. I really hope for this to work out. I really wish that uh, we could find a way to work out. You know, um, I've been in the UFC in the past seven years, and uh, I always see myself in the UFC, you know. I never really, like, 
envisioned myself out of the UFC. And uh, when I when it comes to this point, because at first all this was just a, a matter of principle. It wasn't even an idea of leaving UFC or this, you know. It was just like, okay, it's a principle. I need this, you know. We have to do things right. Then it take on other dimension. Um, so I don't know exactly uh, what was it, but with time, I think that kind of like I was willing to compromise over and over and over and over. And I get to the point that I'm like, okay, I understand that I, I do want this, but guys, give me a break. Like, give me something, you know? And I'm not asking for a sky. I have heard talking about money. Obviously, money is a part of it, but it wasn't all about money, you know? Um, I need some stuff. And they will never talk about those stuff. It's very interesting how they kind of like pick what they're going to talk about. They don't talk about what the negotiation was about. They just talk about the money that they, could, they gave me that could have made me the biggest heavy, uh, paid heavyweight in the history, which is how much they can tell. Biggest than who? Nobody knows what who, nobody gets. So it's all their narrative. They control that narrative which cannot be proven. So I don't believe that, but um, I wish it could have worked. I really do. And I really want it. A uh, few follow-ups to that. Not, not, not at any cost. Do, do you believe that the deal that they were offering you, just money alone, do you believe it truly would have made you the highest paid heavyweight? I don't know. Since I don't know what other heavyweight made. Okay. You know, in order to, in order to know that, I have to know what the other heavyweight uh, made as a salary, but I don't know. My what I had heard through the grapevine is that Brock made eight million for around eight million for two hundred. Is it is it above that or, or less than that? Hmm. For the John John fight, around that. Okay, so was this a multi-fight deal that they were offering you, or just a one-fight deal? Multi-fight deal. And how many fights? I asked for three fights. They say they will uh, give that uh, exceptionally for me. I asked for three fights. Okay, and so the, no, no extension, no extension. Just three fights. Did you have the fights in your mind? Like, who were the three guys that you wanted? Well, one was John Jones. Two was Tipe. Hopefully, John Jones again. I, out of that three fight, I wanted. I hope that. Okay, I understand. Now, you, you mentioned the things that they don't talk about. You mentioned the things that uh, you just couldn't, you know, let go on principle. And I've had a lot of people ask me, like, what exactly are these things that he is referring to? Do you feel comfortable telling us what these things were, the sticking points, the true sticking points that you were fighting for that they didn't want to give up? Well, it was a lot of them, you know, like, what I have learned is that you don't go in the table of a negotiation expecting to have everything that you want. But at least you want your, your partner, you want the other side to like show a willingness or at least try, you know. So uh, I asked for a lot of things, which doesn't mean I was expecting all those things, but I was expect at least like a few or one, two out of those things, you know. First, I asked for a... Um, 
sponsorship, the right of a sponsorship, which we've been ripped off. We don't, we can't have sponsorship. I have for health insurance, couldn't have. I asked for a fighter, for a uh, fighter advocate, somebody in the board meeting who will advocate for a fighter. I asked for that. I couldn't have those stuff that I asked for, mm. you know, but I just wanted to know that there is something that I do want. And I also want them to take that at least in consideration, you know. Did they consider any of those things? Any of those kind of off the no. beam path? None of them. No, no, no. Not a single one. Oh no. No. They say no, they don't do business like that. They say, yes, I can pay my health insurance uh, and all that. I'm like, yes, I can pay my health insurance. At this point, health insurance for me is not a problem, you know. But how about those guys that the, at the bottom make 10 plus 10 or lossified make 10? They can really afford that health insurance, you know. Uh, and I have been there, so it's something that still in my, I still carry in my heart. So uh, to be clear, were you asking for these things not only for you, but for everyone? Yeah, I do ask that for everyone. You wanted everyone to get... I, I, I knew. I knew it couldn't happen, but right. I asked. Yeah. <laughs> I asked, yes. So ultimately, the money, would you say you were okay with the money? It was just all these other things that you didn't, you didn't like? Listen, even the money wasn't that okay. You mm. know, like, and I, and I said this before. I said, like, you know, I'm, I'm okay of structuring uh, a, a deal. It's not just money. It's not what you get right away. You can get a long-term money. You can get a long-term value out of the deal, which is more than money, you know? So, and I said this uh, last time when Mick reached out because I couldn't come to an agreement with Hunter. I said, it's not all about money. We can structure this. You guys can give me something. Then we consider like, uh, I consider it more than money. You can give me even in Africa. This is something that I asked. I said, you can give me even in Africa that have a lot of value for me than the money. I'm willing to put water in my wine. If you give me something like that, you know, those were the things that I asked for. And they said no. Oh, no, they couldn't consider. So basically what they so were offering you was the just... Only, the, only, the only thing that they, they kind of like... And at some point, I feel like I was slapped in the face with money. Like, okay, take the money and shut up. Like, and uh, that, that didn't work pretty good. Okay, and uh, right now I'm seeing a, a, a picture of you. Your, your video is frozen, but I still hear you, so we'll just keep talking, um, and, and hopefully the video comes back. Um, would you say, though, that they, they were just trying to offer you a regular UFC deal, meaning a really good UFC deal based on what other UFC fighters get, but there was nothing extra attached to it? There were no concessions being made. They were just offering you a lot of money to take this fight with no extra concessions that you were looking for. Is that an accurate description exactly yes exactly which i went from uh, wanting all these things to find myself in that position that we're going to be talking like oh you're going to be have a good pay like like almost like uh adesanya john jones they were taking those, all those examples then i'm like i don't want those conventional uh, deal like first of all i'm not i don't have I'm, i don't want that contract 
the way that is structured, I don't want it. Doesn't matter what is in that contract or how much is in that contract, I'm not taking that contract, first of all. Mm. Because in, in that contract, in that contract, I'm not free. In that contract, I'm not independent contractor. In that contract, I have no right, I have no power. I hang over all the power to you guys. And I have seen in the past how you can utilize your power on me and I don't want that to happen again. Um, so you have a situation here where Dana White comes out and says what he says at the press conference. Have you watched the press conference yet? Yes, I watch. I watch a part of it, and at some point I stopped watching. I'm like bullshit. How did you <laughs> feel about? the way he said that they were parting ways, the things that he insinuated, essentially saying, you know, you want to fight lesser opponents for more money, you, you, you're comfortable now, uh, you're over 300 pounds, he saw you, this and that. I mean, to me, it felt like a lot of, and I said this yesterday, I'm not just saying this because you're sitting in front of me, it felt like he was trying to weaken you, disparage you on the way out. How did you feel when you were hearing those things? Uh, you know, Dana is Dana. I don't care about what he said, and uh, Dana cannot hurt me. Like saying things cannot hurt me. I, from where I come from, I have heard a lot worse than that. And I, yet, yet, yeah, I'm still here, you know. So, what he said is what he said. It's his problem, you know. What I know is that I'm here, and I have a good future. And uh, I think what he was expressing was his frustration, because no, doesn't matter what he said. Regardless, he's upset. You know, he's not happy about this situation. You know, he has he saw his champion go away, which is something that probably never happened to him. Matter of fact, two years ago, they were betting on that. Like, okay, you think you're going to leave the UFC? That's never happened. Go ask Randy Kutu. Then I'll go ask Randy Kutu exactly what happened. He explained to me. Then I'm like, okay. This is the different situation. Wow, they said that to you? Go ask Randy Couture? Yeah. Wow. They said that to my care. No, they said that to my care. To your manager, yeah. my manager. I did them. yeah. Wow. Uh, which, you know, that, that got mm -hmm. ugly um, with, with, with lawyers and legal stuff. That got very ugly. Uh, one thing that he said that kind of stuck with me is like, okay, you're, you're looking for the easier fights for more money. Now, we've always sort of hypothesized that you want to try boxing you know we saw you with tyson fury we know that your initial dream was to be a boxer in this negotiation was boxing a part of it did you want a, a, a sort of a clause in there carved out that you can go and box during those three fights they didn't want anything to do with boxing there was like uh if and only if uh in good faith and this i'm like i'm not betting on that you know let's get a three-fight deal. If uh, I can knock out a three-fight deal in one year if I'm not hurt, if I'm healthy, and then after that, I can do, go do my boxing, whatever I want. And if during this time, you, you guys find an interest in like doing boxing together, then we do it. But I just want to owe you three-fight and deliver that three-fight and set free from, what, from our contract. Mm. So you were willing to put the boxing idea on hold, do the three fights uninterrupted, and then revisit the boxing idea. You weren't necessarily saying, I need to do boxing in the middle of these three fights. Three fights would be maximum 15 months. Yeah. Maximum. Okay. So 
that that's not a big deal. Do you still want a box? Of course, I still want a box, and uh, <laughs> and one of the reason why uh, one thing that I think about when I heard this interview, I'm um, like, okay, so maybe Tyson Fury is a easy is a lesser <laughs> of, of opponent for Dana White because I don't know what exactly he's talking about, but yes, yeah. One would say that that's a uh, bigger challenge and that you would be an underdog in that fight, a massive underdog. So uh, that would seem to be a, a bigger risk, if you will. Um, so so he said no one's doing boxing over here. So clearly that was another one of those sticking points. Is it fair to say now that you are... And, and by the way, when they say they're waiving the matching period, let's just be clear about this. My understanding was your contract expired in mid-December, Right. You had your last fight in January, but the contract expires in mid-December. And then there's a year matching period tacked on to that afterwards. Is that accurate? Uh, I don't know if... Yes, I think so. I don't know if the uh, matching period tacked in after the uh, sunset. Because five years was a sunset. My contract originally wasn't a five-year contract. My contract was a 40-month contract. Then after that 40 month, I assume like days when the kick, machine period kick off or something. But I, can, I can't say this with a certitude. I'm not a lawyer. I didn't study that part of a contract, so I can't know. But I, I will assume that um, the reason why he said that was because maybe because he know that he couldn't match what I was going to get. Because what I was going to get, it wasn't just about money. And he couldn't match that. Right. That's he what he can match. He can match any money, but he couldn't match what I want. That's why I thought it was incredible spin. Because if you come to them with a boxing contract or any type of contract that gives you X amount of freedom and all these other concessions, there's no way they can match that. But to say, hey, we released no. him, again, feels like they were trying to disparage no, you. No, 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 nobody releases me. Nobody releases me. I've been free since uh, December. I think December 9th or 13th. Uh, but the only reason why I didn't went public because, you know, in respect of our conversation, we were still having conversations. So I didn't want to, I want to respect that and not talk about it. But I've been free agent since because I have my contract with me and uh, the five years mark was in December. Um, between December and now, did you bring any offers to them that they even looked at to see if they can match it? Or did you not talk to anyone else? No, I didn't talk to anyone else, as I said, because we were talking and I respect that. I didn't, people, people didn't even know that I was free already, you know, because we were having this conversation. And now I, I was like, okay, since we're having a conversation uh, in good, for me, in good faith, I don't want to, reflect this out to show this out you know but i was free so okay. nobody releases me i think it's just a way for them i think it's really it's hard to them to admit that i stayed free regardless do you believe them that they are going to waive their their matching period have they told you this in writing do you believe that they will actually stay true to this i don't care they can match if they want or try to match or trying to match. Right. 
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. So, but like, I'm just wondering contractually, like, let's say today I'm a promoter and I give you this incredible deal. Do you still have to bring it to them or is all that good? Like, are you truly not bound to bring anything to them and sign with someone today? Well, I think you said that uh, publicly, um, which means, because he didn't, say, he didn't say anything to me, though. They didn't say anything to me. I received an email uh, from them with it. Uh, at something attached. I haven't even opened that email yet. Uh, yesterday, so. Oh wow, I haven't. Yeah. Why haven't you opened but, it? Hmm. What do you think is gonna be? But I, I read the message. Uh, I I read the uh, the the email. Yeah. Just the file. I download the file, and while it was downloading, downloading, I move on to something and haven't. Read okay. It. Um, since his press conference, oh. anyone from the UFC reach out to you? Uh, yes. Mick Manor reached out. He texted me. He said uh, he wanted, he wished that we had an uh, agreement. And then, uh, but, you know, wish me a best of luck. He said he was an honor working with me. And, uh, you know, very nice message. You know, Mick is a real guy the real guy even even in, in the negotiation he was there you know he's doing his job you, you know the guy is doing his job but he's a good, good guy mm. and uh what about hunter did uh, hunter campbell reach out to you no <laughs> no and uh i feel like i know the answer to this question but dana white first of all you have to know that dana and i we don't we don't speak last time that I uh, texted Dana was like maybe two years ago. I never had a reply, so we don't communicate. What was the text there about? There is not a communication. Uh, I don't know. I think it was just it was just after the Stipe fight or something. Yes. And no I reply. Still, I still have the text. No, no reply. What so, about what about face to face? When's the last time you spoke to him? Oh, we we crossed part at the PI. Uh, even I think even in December, yes, early December. Yes, we we crossed part at the PI cafe, and just say hi, and other stuff. That's okay. all what we do when we meet. I, I want to get back to Dana in a moment, but uh, just want to clarify one thing. I'd heard that they reached out to you to fight on December 10th, perhaps like right as your contract was expiring to get one more in to do the John Jones fight, but you weren't ready or there wasn't enough. Is, is there any truth to that? No, they didn't reach out to me. Uh, and also uh, on December 10th, they knew like I wasn't, the, the doctor gave me 10 months uh, after my surgery and they've been following up because uh, they've been following up with the PI uh, for my uh, knee rehab, so 
they knew I couldn't be ready for December, uh, December 10. They didn't even offer that. Okay. Um, how is your knee? My knee is good. My knee is getting, uh, it's pretty good. You know, I've been in the gym in the past two months and I feel pretty good about it. And it's keep improving, you know, is a lot, a lot better. Almost there. Could you have, like, if everything worked out, could you have fought on March 4th with the state of your knee, or was that uh, a little soon? Like, health-wise, are you okay for March 4th? Bro, I fought with this knee when it was <laughs> out of, without two ligaments. Okay. And it's been almost four months that the doctor said, uh, my ligaments are all in place, I just need some rehab, you know, and March 4th is the, what, almost two months away that my knee would have been just stronger again. You know, I've been in the gym, I spar, I wrestle, I kick, I do everything with my knee. I feel good about it. So that's not a problem. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Uh, so you could have fought, the knee is okay. Um, that wasn't an issue. I heard him say, like, it almost felt like a throwaway comment, but it's like, oh, he's over 300 pounds, like almost implying that you were out of shape and whatnot. Uh, I've seen your road to recovery uh, vlogs on your on your Francis Ngannou YouTube channel. Much respect. Uh, it seems like you're training. It Thank seems you. like you're doing wrestling and all that stuff. Like y you're not sitting on the couch right now. After Madison Square Garden, I went back to the gym, like start training for real. You know, first of all, I never get to 300 pounds even at my highest weight. So I don't know where he took those information. Only him knows. No. Um, and as for now, I'm what, 275, 277, which is even lighter when I started training come most of the time because I, I still train. I keep training. Even like I'm here, I train, I run a lot. You know, I work on the cardio. So, but we all, we all know that that's not a problem. The inner problem is the inner problem. It doesn't have anything to do with the reality. Okay, so let us talk about that if we can. Um, yesterday, I played a clip of him speaking about you from July of 2018 after the Derek Lewis fight, saying that your ego has gotten out of control and uh, you're kind of a problem to deal with backstage. That, to me, sort of felt like the beginning of your issues, at least publicly. There's a story about, I think that he said one time about seeing you right before the first Deep A fight and claiming that you said, get the jet ready for me. But then I saw in your video blog that the, the problem started, like they, they tried to sign you around the Junior Dos Santos fight, which is a little bit before that. So could we go to the beginning? Like when do you feel like things between you and Dana started to dissolve? He was uh, before the CPA fight um, because I negotiated the contract. Before, the con my last contract was uh, negotiated at that moment. And uh, it took me it took me almost three years to figure out what what was the problem, but I think the problem was because during all this negotiation I said something to Dana White and this was by completely mistake I didn't even know what I meant at that time but I think like he felt attacked he felt threatened by that when I said doesn't matter we can make a deal for this fight uh, we just focus on the Stipe fight because. I was making that, that deal like six weeks before the fight and they were pushing me and I didn't even have time to find a manager. Then I'm like, okay, I will do it my own on my own. 
And then sitting there with him, I'm like, let's just focus on this one. We can negotiate even after every fight. I think that was the thing that I said to Dana. And you shouldn't say something to, like that to somebody like Dana White. Why do you think that would have bothered him so much? Well, the whole business is based on the contract. How, how many people is tied in the contract? The most fight you have in the contract, that's how the big, the big business is. If the business doesn't have anybody, uh, if they don't have anybody on the contract, what is the value of the business? Mm. No. So based on, on, on that comment, you feel like his interpretation was that your ego is out of control just because you said, let's just focus on this fight and go one fight at a time. That was what led him to say what he said at that press conference in July of 2018? Yes. And at that time, I didn't know. You know, I was so um, ignorant about it. I didn't know what happened. Then with time goes by, I have some information that we talk, I talk with them, with Hunter, they express, they tell me how Dana is mad about me and what he's, why he's mad, you know, and uh, what he said. Then after cert some certain period of time, I collect all the information and that was the only thing that could have been the cause. Because, you know, uh, I try, it's, for the next two years, I trying to figure out like what really happened. You know, I, I felt really bad. Like, okay, I I mistaken somewhere. I did something wrong. I tried to find out. We even have a, uh, asked for a meeting to go meet Dana at his office with Michael and trying to clear the air, like ask what happened, this, and he never said exactly what happened. Mm. You know, I was busting my head for nothing until I find out what exactly was it. Is, is it true that you said to him, get the jet ready before the first uh, Stipe fight? Well, uh, the first time that I met uh, Dana was uh, in Denver when I fought uh, Alovsky. Okay. And then I couldn't even speak, I couldn't even speak French, uh, English properly. But I, I said to Dana, I tried to say to Dana, like, okay, when I have the belt, when I get the belt, I had like to go in France in the private jet, you, you know? And he said, you get it, my man. You know, at that time, Dana was all Francis. And he said, you get it. So when I was going to fight uh, Stipe, you know, um, I think in the fight week, I saw him, but he was already pissed. You know, I didn't know that, but he was already pissed. Then I said, get the get jet ready, my man, which is like what we talk about. It was a promise, right? So when you say, get a, that jet ready, the jet that we spoke about, you know, I don't think, I don't see any ego either in that. That couldn't be a problem. That wasn't a problem. That was the excuse. Okay. And and recently, like in the last year, uh, I'd also heard that you had dinner with him. Like, I think maybe you saw each other at a restaurant. Even when you had dinner, like in a <coughs> casual setting, did you guys ever, or did you have an opportunity to just like be like, hey man, like, can we start over? Can we clear the air? Why does it seem like we're not on the, like, did any of that come up? And And is that dinner a real thing? Did that happen? You know, the, um, the only dinner that I had with Dana was, um, was when we have, um, after the uh, uh, Syrian gun fight. Yeah. When he didn't come to the press conference. Yeah. Yes. Then they reached out to Eric, trying to figure out, invite for a dinner. 
Yes, that's when we had, that's the only time that I had dinner with Dana. And, and they was trying to tell me that they want me to be there. Uh, they want me to stay in the USA. And I said to them, like, I want to stay in the USA. I want to be in the USA, but I don't feel like the USA want me anymore. You know, it's been a long time that I don't have a promoter. I'm in the promotion, but I don't have a promoter, you know. And I've been feeling that in the past three or four years. Hmm. I don't have a promoter. Uh, as of right now, you also don't have a manager, it seems. Why have you chosen to do this on your own? You were with Markel Martin, who, you know, by all accounts, had your back and, and fought for you, uh, maybe at the risk of he his own career. Does. He still does, yeah. But but correct me if I'm wrong, he's, he's not technically your manager. Like, you're the one doing all this stuff. Uh, why are you attempting to do this by yourself. And I don't mean by, I know you have people behind you, but like manager type of role trying to negotiate these deals for you. Well, um, you know, uh, after CAA dissolved the, um, um, the combat support department and uh, we kind of like <clears throat> spread, spread everywhere. And uh, I wanted to take time to collect my staff and that's, you know, I've been looking, you know, I really want, I want a manager and uh, the environment right now, the situation right now is really complicated. And even Marker, after the CA, Marker wasn't stable, mm -hmm. you know, like, even at, at CAA, he was getting attacked. Even at CAA? So, even at CAA. So, no, I say even when he was at CAA, people were still, like, trying to come after him. No, right. no okay. Even though, like, he has CAA as a shield to protect him. But uh, after the CAA, I think, uh, and I tell him, I tell him, like, Take, he should take time to collect himself because we are in the business that you are not, people don't like you when you do your job. Mm. You know, at some point you just have to kiss the ring in order to do your business properly. And uh, that was one of the, that was one of the reasons with Markel, but we are still together. We still work together. We are just looking of a structure, of a way to maximize and don't get attacked. Mm. Uh, do you feel like you were a casualty of the relationship or lack thereof between Endeavor and CAA? They are rivals. And perhaps if you were represented by someone else, is there any part of you that thinks this might have been an easier process if you were not a CAA guy? Uh, the CAA, CAA has uh, nothing to do about it. Okay. I understand a lot of people I have... Hear. Yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I understand a lot yeah. of people. Like, I, I had heard from a lot of people just being 100% blunt. We're being blunt with each other here, Francis. We're telling it like mm -hmm. it is. Yes. Uh, you, you have a very good relationship with Kamara Usman, and uh, he has a relationship with Ali Abdelaziz, who's uh, a manager, who has a very cozy relationship with UFC, to put it mildly, that he has tried to 
you know, get you on board to make a deal with the UFC. And, you know, he tried to go in there and say, like, I can get you a deal. I can get something done and, uh, you know, come sign with me and let's do business. Is that something that you considered? Well, uh, a lot of people does that. Uh, I rather, I'm, I'm friend with Ali. We, are, we have a very good relationship, by the way. Hello? Yeah. Yes. No, I said we, we have a very good relationship. Uh, but as for now, we just stay on like a friendship. We don't get into a, bis uh, we don't get into a business. That's fair. Uh, do you feel as though you need a manager to, to make this next decision? Or do you think you can do it on your own, like representing yourself, basically, taking these calls, making the deals? Do you feel like you can do it on your own? Do you understand enough now about the fight business? You said you've learned a lot um, to do this on your own. I can do it. Nice. I know what I want. That's not, that's, that's enough. So what do you want? Could you tell the world, Francis? There's a lot of people watching now. What does Francis Ngannou want? What would make you happy? Oh, I'm happy though. It's not like I'm unhappy. Sure. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm in peace with my choice, with my decision, with uh, whatever I have done. You know, I'm happy. But uh, I think I just need some... I need some respect, more respect at least. You know, it's very important. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I need some respect, you know, some dignity. I need some freedom. I need to feel like a man, you know, own my freedom, control my destiny, decide what I'm going to do. You know, I don't want anybody to decide for me. I think I'm man enough. I've been, I've been decided for my own. And uh, so far, I think I haven't, I haven't, I haven't been doing a bad job at all. Mm -hmm. So you, I will go with you. You, you climbed the mountaintop as far as MMA is concerned. You became the UFC heavyweight champion. There's no bigger prize than that. Do you want to box next? Is that is that your hope? Is that your dream to to scratch that boxing itch? Well, somebody said the top of some of another mountain is the bottom of another one. <laughs> right yes that is true <laughs> yeah so yes i still want to do something i want to achieve something uh in boxing and stay in mma i feel like i still have a lot uh to express a lot to give to the sport of mma you know um i uh, i discover mma letter 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 in my life and uh i feel like i still have some mileage to give in the sport. Uh, so the original dream was boxing though, right? Like that was what led you, yes. that's yes. what you wanted, right? Um, so in, in a yes. perfect world, you box, but you also compete in MMA and that's part of the freedom. Is that fair? Yes. In the perfect world, I go out there, get some boxing match, come back, get some MMA, maybe switch again. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It depends what will be the challenge out there. Uh, I think if I have an opportunity to fight all, all those top guys in boxing, I will take it. Has anyone since Saturday of note, promoters, promotions, reached out to you? Yeah, a lot of people reached out. A lot. Is it overwhelming? <laughs> uh, I can't control it. I can't control it. 
it's, I, I don't have a pressure now. It's not like I have a, to give you a response now, but I can control everything. Okay, and uh, are these MMA it, promotions it and boxing promotions? Mostly MMA promotion. Okay, interesting. And I have heard, I have also heard over social media of their uh, interests, you know. So how, how are you going to navigate this? What, like, what is the game plan now? The game plan? Where? Go somewhere that respect. Right. That but are you fielding offers? Have, are you telling everyone like, okay, uh, I'm giving you a window by February 1st. I need your offer. I need to see what you're talking. Like, it's like you, the world is your oyster here. It's a crazy thing. It's like LeBron James circa 2010. You can do whatever you want. Well, it's been uh, it's been only two days, and right. uh, I don't have to be get overwhelmed. Like sometimes I just turn off my phone, sit down, and chill. Nothing, nothing would be. Uh, everything can wait, you know, and you can deal with everything over time. Like in one week, doesn't matter what happened, you can deal with all those. So it doesn't need to be the same day. Okay. Um, by the way, in April, which was the last time we had you on the show. I'm watching Tyson Fury fight, and then all of a sudden you're in the ring with Tyson Fury, and he tells the world, you know, we want to make this happen. Like it was unbelievable scenes, and then it just feels like that whole thing kind of went away. What happened? Why didn't the Fury fight materialize? I don't know. I think he's retired, come back, want to fight the music and all those stuff. I don't know where he's at right now, but I'm gonna find out. You're gonna find. Is it time? Yeah. Yes, is it is is a time before you know? Uh, besides those social media, those attis couldn't do anything concrete. But now we can engage, you talk, do everything. So it's time. And every time we he talks about that out. Every time he talks about you as a boxer, he says like, "Oh, let's do a special fight with the gloves." But my feeling is, you want to have a real boxing match with him. Like you want to beat him in boxing. Like it was with the with the. Normal gloves, normal rules, all that. Is, is that. is that fair? Well, whatever it is, if it's with Tyson Fury, I would take it. Okay. You know, I have no problem doing boxing with uh, four-ounce four, four, ounce, four ounce gloves, you know. So, yes, we were talking about something, little hybrid, maybe the four-ounce gloves, maybe inside the cage, or I don't know. We will figure out. Do you have an ideal first boxing opponent? If boxing is is next for you, is there one guy in particular that you think makes sense for the first boxing match? Tyson Fury or Anthony Joshua. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> the guy's at the top. Yeah. Have you talked to Eddie yeah, Hearn, who's Anthony Joshua's promoter? Not yet. Okay. I remember... It's been... Too, I know. It's I know. been two days. <laughs> I know, but he, you know, he's a bulldog. Uh, I remember one time he tried to do a press conference. I think with you and Dillian White, and then they had to cancel it. Right? Didn't he try to do that in the beginning of the pandemic? He was an interview. Yes. Yes. I don't know how it turned out to be a <laughs> press conference. Right. But I did an interview. Right. 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 Um, yes, but we, we we didn't follow up about that. What about Deontay? The interview. Sorry. What about Deontay Wilder? Uh, that seems to be a name that is thrown out a lot. Is he of interest to you? You didn't you didn't mention him. No, he's interesting to me. 
but I think the thing now is his position where he's at, at his contra and everything as well, you know. So that's the problem. So some, some, uh, even some, some fighter out there have a uh, problem. They are engaged somewhere with somebody that's gonna go to them. So, yes. Okay. But primarily, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua. Then yes, Deontay Wilder. And and those are massive names in boxing, the the creme de la creme. In MMA, is there anyone outside of the I am, UFC? I am I am I am the creme de la creme too. I'm Absolutely, the best fighter in the world. I'm the champion, the undisputed. You are. You're champion. the best. You are the baddest man on the planet. You puff your chest out, Francis. You let them know. You flex on them. All right. You let those haters. Yeah. Let's yeah. go. Let's go. I love yes. it. But the it's question, I, the question I was I'm, wondering was, out of the UFC in MMA, is there anyone out there that interests you in MMA, MMA heavyweight? Like, are there any names that gets you excited? Because, you know, we're talking John Jones, Surreal Gun. These are top guys. Are there any top guys? That's the problem that I'm seeing with the other promotions. Bellator, PFL, One, those seem to be the main ones. Are there any top guys there that, that are of interest to you? Well, as for now, uh, I can't tell. But, if if ever I go somewhere, we're gonna figure it out. You know, remember, five uh, the the fight come up every time. The landscape of the fighting business change all the time. When I fought when I fought Stipe, uh, Sirigan wasn't in the conversation. He was or John Jones. But guess what? <laughs> the next fight that I was having was Sirigan, and he was technically the best mm -hmm. in the world. And, technically so it's all about the, the landscape of the moment uh, just curious i know you have somewhat of a relationship with jake paul he now has a deal with pfl he obviously has his boxing promotion as well announced today that he's going to fight uh, tommy fury february 25th uh, any talks with jake paul or his uh his his Business partner Nikisa Badarian, formerly of the UFC. Any talks there? Any interest? If not talks yet, but any interest in engaging? No. Oh, no, no engagement. Okay. But if we find a com uh, a common interest, I have no problem. Okay. And and just curious, as far as boxing is concerned, do you want to do that on your own as well, or are you trying to link up with a promoter there? You know, you mentioned you don't have a promoter, or you didn't have a promoter. Are, are you are you trying to link up with one of these promotions or promoters, or do you want to do it solo, like Francis Ngannou promotions? Mm, that sounds good. Francis Ngannou <laughs> promotion sounds good. <laughs> okay, so you are interested in that maybe, as well? Maybe co-promote? Yes, of course. Okay. Why not? Yeah, okay. And, right? and Yeah. Isn't it a good idea? Sure, why not? I mean, you're the man, like you said, of baddest course. man on the planet. What about fighting in Africa this year? I feel like that would be a gigantic deal. Is that on the table? Is that something that you want to be a part of the deal? Fighting in Africa, definitely, yes. Uh, but I do know that it's something that they have to build, they have to prepare. It's not something that you just wake up and decide that you're going to uh, put up a fight issue in, in Af somewhere in Africa next month or in two months. You know, so yes, that's always my dream, and that's always part of my goal. And uh, more than fighting in Africa, like have some uh, event or some promotion 
some sort of program that will give more opportunity for African fighter, uh, something like that. I'd like that. I love that. It's even one of my goals, something that has to be in the contract. Okay. Um, by the way, if the UFC after this uh, March 4th fight comes back and says, if you don't have a deal, like, hey, all right, John Jones won, like, could we revisit this? Is it possible? Are you open to ever going back to the UFC, ever doing business with the UFC, or based on how all this has been handled, especially since Saturday, is that done? Will you never fight for the UFC again? You know, um, personally, I, I don't take any of this personal. Any of this doesn't touch me at all. You know, uh, I think I have gotten to a point of my life that I'm cool, man. You know, I get past everything. I have seen, I have seen a lot. And uh, one thing that I have also learned in life, never say never, you know. So down the road, maybe, maybe I go out there, I have a boxing match, or he went well or not, or I don't know. But one thing that I know is that even in that situation, he has to be on my turn. Mm. You know, he has to be on my turn. And uh, right now your, your video is frozen on us, so we're just hearing your voice, but we still hear your voice. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll hope that it comes back. It's, it's frozen at the moment on uh, just a still picture of you. Uh, but I still hear you. You hear me, right? Yes, I hear you. Sorry about that. No, no, no problem. Um, those things that you're asking for, independent contractor, health insurance, all do you ever foresee a day that MMA fighters and in particular UFC fighters get these things, that they get the things that you know other pro athletes get? Do you, do you think now that you've been sort of in the trenches and fought for this stuff that we'll ever see a day that this comes? Uh, I doubt. I doubt it. You know, it's really tough. And the problem is that with time go with time goes by, uh, the UFC just get bigger and bigger, and fighter gets smaller and smaller. They are losing position. You know, uh, five years, uh, five years ago, ten years ago, fighter was in the better position that they are right now. And uh, I'm afraid that ten years, five or ten years from now they will be in the worst position that they are right now. So it's going to be very hard to deal with the UFC because it doesn't matter how many fighters are in the roster, uh, they, deal, they make a deal individually. They treat every case individually, you know. And if you are not somebody, you dare talk about those stuff, you get caught, you get punished, you get frozen, and you can't say anything. And you need, you need to uh, provide for your family. You know, you're tight. You don't have a choice. So that's the thing. Fighters, they don't have a choice. They don't have any power in front of a gigantic UFC. So I doubt it. Unless, unless some politics or government step into it and decide to regulate it, not just fighters on their own, that can happen. It's, you think... We it's ever a see a mission. union? It's a big mission. As as I said, unless like some big politician or government step in, but uh, not fight on their own. You know, um, I read some article like a couple months ago uh, about like uh, a lobbying firm that they was 
paying to stop a bill that somebody was trying to pass, stuff like that. They have all those power, they have all those control, you know, and they can control the main fighters, those one who have power, they are all tight. Nobody really have a voice, a mm. power to do anything. Do you feel so, support from your fellow fighters? Do you feel like people have your back publicly, privately? Are you feeling that support? Privately, yes, but nobody can step publicly. You mm. step publicly, you get punished. I don't, and I get that, you know, I know exactly what it is. They, they need to provide for their family, no matter what, mm. you know? So. And, and do you feel like when Dana White said on Saturday, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be here, which I think is a crazy statement because we've oh, seen, right? Imagine. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, you know, that's one of Dana, Dana stuff. If you don't want to be here, you don't have to be here. I, I guarantee you so many people in the UFC, basically those elite fighters, they don't want to be there because they know that they can have better, but they're tied in the contract. Oh, they're tied, tied in the contract. Mm. If you don't want to be there here, you don't have to be here. No. I mean, that's the kind of thing that they say when they are desperate. That mm. sounds like desperation. Uh, just a, f a couple other questions, and then I'll let you go. And again, thank you so much for the time. This has been incredible. And there's a lot of people watching, and we appreciate it so much that you're coming on. Uh, last year, I remember two days after the Surreal fight, you came on. And that was riveting as well. And you told me about two things that I just wanted to ask about. Number one, this uh, legal letter that you guys received as you guys were leaving to the arena. Whatever happened with that? I believe you got a legal letter, your manager did at the time, Markel Martin, um, about conversations and whatnot. Did anything ever happen with that? No, nothing. Uh, nothing happened after that. Okay. Nothing happened after that. I think that was like a, a threat or something, you know, or a psychologic attack. I don't know what the hell was that, but he didn't stand a chance because there wasn't really a reason. Uh, there wasn't a reason, you know. So. Mm -hmm. It was just an empty trick. Uh, you also told us about a text message that your manager received that was threatening. Did you ever find out who sent that? No, and he kept and he still received some someone after that. Wow, with the same type of tone, yeah. with like racial undertones. Yes, with yeah, with the same type of tone and uh, the same number. Wow. And uh, you never, or he never found out who was sending that? No. The area never code did. was 702, right? Uh, I can't remember. I don't want to say something wrong. So I can't remember exactly. Okay. I believe uh, I remember them saying that, but uh, all right, fair enough. I mean, it doesn't really matter where the area code is. If it's a fake number or whatever, it, it, it could be from anywhere. It could be from anyone. Um, all right, so the, so the, the no legal stuff, the text message, all good. At this point, where like, what do you? what is your prediction? I think everyone wants to know, all right, because when you fight, it's going to be the uh, one of the biggest stories of the year. What is your gut saying? Like, are you? Do you think we see France going to compete in anything? July, June, May. What? Are, what are you feeling at this point? Um, hopefully, somewhere, somewhere, late. The latest will be July. I would say so. Okay. 
uh, hopefully, so at least twice a year, twice this year. Okay. And what 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 is yeah. your gut telling you? Leaning boxing or MMA in this fight before July? What are you thinking? My gut, I would say boxing. Boxing, okay, and a pro boxing bout. Yeah, yeah, pro boxing. Wow, um, but pro, pro boxing. And do you know where? I really, I really want to feel that. No, yet. Okay, and you don't know with who? But I'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna find out. I'm working on it. I'm on it right now. Okay. And in terms of who you're, you'll be training with, like, will you still train at Extreme Couture with Eric and Dewey and, and the same guys if you go the boxing route? Um, if I go to boxing, I need, I need, I, I have to have another camp. I have to. But yes, I will still be, I will still be with them. Okay, so you may go to one of these uh, big boxing coaches, like, uh, you know, because like when Connor did boxing he stayed with the same guys and some people thought oh maybe in retrospect that wasn't the best decision would you go to one of these you know true boxing pure boxing uh coaches to go prepare for this debut um i've been th i've been thinking about that and, and that question is really tough to answer because uh yeah i would say let's just say i i might find somebody we will maybe assist my team. Okay. You know, or help my team. Let's say something like that. Yes. Because I feel like we we do need that little addition of, you know, pro boxing, pure pro boxing at that level. But I also still feel like we can still work, uh, work something on our own. So we have, I, I don't think he will be an issue to find an outsider as long as he has the input. Okay. And how many more years do you want to do this for? You're, uh, I believe, 35, 36, right? So are, are you hoping to fight past 40? What are you thinking? I'm a heavyweight and I started the sport, I was 27. So I'm pretty fresh. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think I... I want to pass 40, but also I just want to, I want to keep fighting when I have this fire. The day that I don't have this excitement that I wake up and don't get excited to go to the gym, I think that would be the call out, you know. But as for now, I have that fire, that excitement. I feel it. I want it. I'll keep doing it. And I figured, you know, uh, it's crazy, but... I'm I'm getting older, but I'm, I feel like I'm getting younger. Mm. I feel better and better. And this situation, this experience with the UFC, didn't sour your feelings towards fighting the fight game, all that stuff. Where you're like, ah, screw this, I, I just want to be left alone. Well, um, what I have learned in life is that after every so after every storm comes a good time, my friend. <laughs> so the good time is coming. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you just you just have to go through the storm and stay, keep it on. You know, don't give up through the storm. And you and feel you will enjoy the yes. good time. Do you feel like the storm is officially passed? Oh, the storm, the storm has passed for sure. Do you have it's any? Just a good time now. Do you have any regrets about how this was handled? Is there anything that you wish could have been done differently? Mm -mm. 
and that's and that's my what I've been thinking about. You know, uh, after all this, you I kind of like take myself, uh, collect myself, and ask myself, what could I have done differently? You know, like okay, maybe I should have do this or this. Then I think about it. I'm like, no. I think like if I have to repeat it, if I have to redo it, I would do the same thing because I believe that I did thing right and with a good faith, you know. So at that from that moment, doesn't matter what is the result, I will not have a regret. I give my best with a good faith. That's all what I know. I remember last year you told me if this ends. I'm okay. I'm at peace. If this is the end, I'm at peace. Do you still feel the same way? Now that it seems like your UFC oh, career is over, you're at peace. I am at peace, as I said. Huh. I have done everything right. I'm, the only thing that I try, I avoid in my life, the only thing that scares me is regret. That's the only thing that really scares me from the things I'm kids, is regret. So I always make sure that I do everything that is in my power in order to avoid regret in the future. It, and uh, I feel like I done it right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it feels like watching you, looking at you, it feels like a weight has been lifted off your shoulders. It feels like you're at peace. And in conclusion, Francis, like I, I was, I reread the story that was written about you last year on ESPN about your life from the, the great writer Tim Cowan. And it's really amazing. Like the fact that there's not been a movie made on your life and what you have had to overcome just to get here is unbelievable to me. Like there needs to be one. Um, from losing your father at a young age to working, you know, for less than $2 as, as a young kid to, you know, trying to escape and detention center and the sea and the raft and homeless and the parking garage, all the stuff that you've had to overcome is really amazing. But there was that one line that I spoke about yesterday that you, uh, that he wrote that you kept repeating to yourself when you were in jail um, and they were trying to break you, never underestimate someone who has hope. And it feels like now you have hope. Uh, is that, by the way, an accurate thing, that, that, that line? Is that something that you've believed in? Because now I, I just feel the hope oozing out of you. I feel the, the excitement oozing out of you. Is, is, this, is this almost you know, um, reminiscent? Obviously, different terms, different situation, different circumstances, but you have hope again. You have the freedom that you've been searching for, and that is making you very happy and excited. Um, yes. Um, and something that I would say about it, uh, I think... Maybe hope wasn't accurate. Faith. I was talking about faith. I do believe that somebody ha that has faith is somebody that uh, has succeeded already. The, re the rest is just a, a matter of time. I have faith. Yes, the hope, I have hope. But most importantly, I have faith in myself and in what I'm doing. And that's what matters. Uh, 
I remember from the beginning of everything, there was nothing. I, he was just a small kid walking out of a sand mine. The only thing that that kid had was a faith in himself, a hope that things are going to change. His future is bright. And I still have the same thing. That the only thing that I always needed. And uh, that's the only thing that I make sure that I don't lose it. You know, I have it. And as long as I have those, I'm good. I can understand why you have it now. And I have faith. But how did you have it back then when you had no food, no shoes, you know, barely anywhere to live? How did you have faith and hope back then that brought you to this point? What's the secret? You know, that, that's exactly like one of the things that I think uh, I, was give, I was given. I was gifted, you know, because I, I do ask myself the same question sometimes. I do ask myself why at this moment in my life I didn't give up when everything seems to prove me wrong. And there was a multiple uh, step in my life like that. Every step in my life was just enough to give up. Why I didn't give up? Why I kept going? I don't know. Why I kept believing? It was not. It wasn't just about keep going, but it was like keep believing. You know, I don't know. Why do I dare stand uh, against the UFC and do something that nobody had done that wasn't proof, wasn't proven before? I don't know. But I knew I just have my principle, I have my faith, and I keep doing it. You know, why do I fight with a injured knee? Why do I do this? Why do I do that? I don't know. But I keep, I just do it. I believe it in me. You know, uh, I have that hope, that faith will be driving me. So I think that was my gift. I. I don't think it's something that I I can take a credit out of it. I can say, oh, I have done this. I did this to believe, to have faith, to have hope. I think it's just something that I was blessed with. And do you feel like all those trials and tribulations, everything that you have overcome, it really is mind-blowing what you have had to overcome. Do you feel like all of that, while it pales in comparison to what you're going through now, because that's life or death stuff, you're good, but do you feel like all of this prepared you for this moment? Like, that's why you're able to smile here. That's why you're able to be strong and not worry and not crumble under the pressure. Absolutely. You know, like, um, I always, when I was younger, I always complained about my life not being good, about this uh, being wrong in my life then I get to the point that I realize that without that life, I couldn't get where I am, you know? And it might sound, it might sound crazy, uh, but if I have to restart, I wouldn't change anything. You know, I didn't choose my life, but I think it was the best life that I could have had because those prepared me from, to get where I am, you know? It taught me everything. I get to the point of my life that basically I'm not afraid of losing everything. I'm anything. I'm not afraid of anything. I know I know in my gut that if I have to restart from zero, I will make it. I have seen worse. So after having that confidence, I think I can overcome everything. I can overcome anything that can stand on my way. And I have 
no stress about it. Mm. By the way, there was a picture of, uh, I think your family, it might have been your mom or someone uh, close to you, a family member. There was a picture that uh, emerged of uh, someone wearing a PFL t-shirt and people thought that that was maybe a sign that you're, do you, did you see this picture? Do you know about this picture? And uh, what, what was that all about? You won't believe me. I didn't even notice that she had a <laughs> PFL t-shirt on. And I didn't even know where she had to get that t-shirt from. I swear to God. Okay, I believe you. But I just, I just find out on social media some sort of speculation, and I'm like, damn, what's going on? Oh my <laughs> god! I didn't know at all. That who, was like random. Was who was that? Was that your mom? Completely random. Yes, it was my mom. Wow, that is amazing. I mean, I'm sure you get a lot of free stuff here and there, but uh, that that is. Uh... I mean, everyone thought that that was maybe you telling us a sign that you were going to PFL. Uh, you're saying it's a complete coincidence. No, it was a complete coincidence. Okay. Although PFL is also an option. So. Yes, of course. Uh, but as of right now... But that, 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 that was a complete coincidence. Okay, so in conclusion, as of right now, uh, there is no next stop. You are talking to everyone. You're hoping to return by the summer, July, before July... Boxing is of great interest. Your gut says boxing, but let's see what people bring to the table. Um, is there anything that I didn't ask you about that I didn't touch on that you want to address in front of this uh, this this big audience? Is there anything you want to get off your chest? Um, no, I can't think of anything on top of my head right now. I think we went through a lot. Okay. Uh, and is there any message that you want to give to the people who have supported you? Anything that you want to say to your fans? A lot of people I see have your back, are rooting for you, are, are happy that you stuck to your proverbial guns. Is there anything that you want to say to those people? Of course. Um, I haven't made a video this morning, but uh, for some reason, uh, we have a technical issue. I'd make a video to express my gratitude uh, to all those, to everyone being patient with me during the fight, my uh, surgery, the negotiation process, you know, um, express my uh, gratitude for all the fans to support me. The UFC fan uh, will be supporting me during this journey. And uh, also thank the UFC because it doesn't matter what happened. Uh, they gave me the opportunity. They gave me the platform uh, to express myself to showcase myself so and i'm very grateful of that and i really meet i i mean it's a very controversial controversial situation but i just have a good relationship with everyone at the ufc like seems like everyone that works at the ufc we just genuinely have a good relationship uh they treat me good be nice with me and uh, I want to say thank you for them. Thank you for the UFCPI, for all the staff there that been great with me, welcoming me every day, you know, uh, sharing their smiles, everything, you know. Yeah. Can you still go to the PI, by the way? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't think <laughs> yeah probably although I see some other people but, uh, but it's, it's it's been great it's been great you know uh, I've been in Vegas for almost uh, 
six years and uh, I was welcomed by people there, by uh, people working at the UFC. They helped me to build my own environment, structure my own life there. And today Vegas is home and uh, Vegas is still home no matter what happened. And I still, I still consider those people and I appreciate them okay. very much. By the way, will everything. you watch on March 4th? The Gan Jones fight? Of course. I'm very excited about that fight. I'll be watching. And uh, I think it's an incredible fight. I think it's going to be very entertaining. Uh, I'm going to be watching. Who do you think the, wins? The, the, only, the, the, the little things that the little thing that I might not be, I disagree with it, is the enter, is the on the spirit. Right. Because unfortunately the only spirit champ is here <laughs> but i'm very excited about that fight i'll be watching who do you think wins um everybody can win first of all he depend on which which junjun will show up um, that's the good question which junjun will show up which junjun do we gonna see fight the junjun that we've been seeing for the past two fights, mm, I don't know, maybe or a new version of John Jones, very excited, hungry, because if John Jones show up hungry, shows up hungry and uh, really won that fight, I think it's going to be a very good fight because Gan will be Gan. I know he's going to be there. So, but John Jones has a trick, you know, he's a He's an experienced fighter. He has a trick, and uh, he was to, he might still have something that surpasses Gan experience that Gan doesn't understand yet. Mm. We will leave it at that, Francis. Thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for the time. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. I wish you nothing but the best. Congratulations on an incredible run. Uh, making it to the top of that mountain, becoming UFC heavyweight champion, defying all the odds, becoming an inspiration to so many around the world. And uh, I can't wait to see what you do next, my friend. I can't wait to see what direction you go in. And uh, and uh, we will be talking about it. And, and and when you make that decision, please come back. And we could talk about that as well, because just, uh, there's a lot to talk about. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. What next? I'll just keep, I'll just climb another mountain. Yes. As I said, the top of one mountain, mountain is the, bottom of another mountain. I can't wait to see what that mountain is. Uh, good luck to you, Francis. Thank you yeah. so much for the time. Bon courage, mon ami. I appreciate you very much. Merci beaucoup. All right, there he bon is. Soirée. Bon soirée. From Cameroon, Francis Ngannou joining us. Uh, the now, I guess, former UFC heavyweight champion, but still the baddest man on the planet, the one and only Francis Ngannou. What a story. What a wild story. What a wild start to 2023. Uh, he, I feel like, addressed it all. Um, I thought took the high road. I thought was very uh, classy, thanking the UFC, um, not holding that grudge, telling his side of the story. Again, seems like he wants to scratch that boxing itch. Seems like he wants to uh, go in that direction. But let's see who comes correct. Again, 
Uh, if I'm Bellator, if I'm PFL, if I'm one, if I'm all these MMA promotions, I'm lining up right now to try to get this guy and tell him, hey, you can go fight. Bellator, hey, you want to fight on Showtime Boxing? Great. Uh, PFL, you want to fight on uh, uh, an MVP card and maybe Showtime? Who knows? Great. Uh, one, you want to fight in a box? Great. Like, whatever you want. Baddest man on the planet. There will never be another time like this. This doesn't happen. You, you are either locked up in your deal. There's the matching period. There's this, there's that. They're not going to let you fight for the belt, blah, 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 blah. It will, I mean, it's one in a million for a guy to make it to the top, to be champion, to win the belt, go into the last fight on his deal as champion, successfully defend it, let the whole year pass, and then matching period waived. I mean, it's truly unprecedented. Never happened. Never, ever, ever happened. People have been stripped. People have left, free agents, but never these circumstances. And oh, by the way, heavyweight champion, baddest man on the planet, the glamour division. Truly, truly once in a lifetime. One in a million, unprecedented. And so now he's got the whole world in his hands. Everyone's going to come after him. Make no mistake. Can't wait to see how this all plays out. Uh, let's uh, let's talk to the boys and get their thoughts on what we just heard, what transpired. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, what's up, man? I'm doing pretty hello. good. How are you? And a special hello to everyone tuning in live today. Nice little uh, nice little audience. Uh, New York, yeah, Rick. a couple people there. Your thoughts on what we just heard from Francis? Yeah, I think did we... You make, did you make a list uh, again, by the way? I did not yeah, make a list. Yeah, this right. this one's a lot shorter because I thought you two did a good job going through everything um, and kind of touched on all the the points that I was looking to to hear from Francis. Most notably to me was the list of demands, right? Outside of the money, outside he he didn't give a specific dollar figure. You obviously asked him about um, about how much he would potentially make for the Jones fight, and he said in that range of the eight million. But as he had said, and it's very clear now in the, in the process of the negotiation, it wasn't a money thing per se. And the other list of demands that he had, which may not be exhaustive, he, he may not have given every single thing that was on that list, but he cited being able to utilize sponsorships, uh, health insurance, and having an advocate in meetings, a, a fighter's advocate. So those things are are pretty concrete, pretty specific, and something that now, if we are to look at this negotiation as a test case or as as precedent uh, going forward, Francis Ngannou asked for these things and was not granted these things, and the UFC essentially said we can't do those things. So I think that's a the, the most fascinating angle and aspect to this, because as we've heard all along from Francis, it wasn't just dollars and cents, and it seemed like he felt a little bit disrespected that the idea was they were just going to continue to throw money at him and not address these other, other issues. So for me, that was, there was a lot obviously in here, but for me, that was the most significant part and the biggest takeaway for me. What about you, GC? Yeah, I guess one thing is it's just like, it seems like he's incredibly content with it. It doesn't feel like he's bitter, like him thanking the UFC. Like it, it felt like he thought he was disrespected, but he knows his worth and he's just happy to move on from this. I mean, the fact that he's just like, you're asking him about people blowing him up in the last few days, and he's like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Sometimes I just turn off the phone. It right. doesn't have to be dealt with today. Like, it, he said he's happy. He's cool with it. Uh, he's ready to move on. He's ready to climb the next mountain. And, like, I mean, I believe him. Like, it, 
he truly seems like a guy completely content with the situation going on. I'm happy that he, obviously, you know, selfishly happy that he came on the show, but I think it was important for him to address all this stuff sooner rather than later, to not let the notion be like he didn't want the John Jones fight, this and that. I mean, he even said, three-fight deal, I wanted Jones twice. Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, it, it's kind of odd that he asked for a three-fight deal and wanted to fight John Jones <laughs> twice for a guy who didn't want to fight John Jones. <laughs> he was willing to do it and then do it again. Not just once. Give me two cracks at the guy. I mean, that's... That's a fascinating uh, the Randy Couture here. line was pretty crazy. That was a crazy line. And again, knowing what they know, right? Like knowing what his demands were just makes the press conference that much harder to digest for me because you went up there knowing this stuff because obviously if his, you know, if his demands were not related to Dana, I'd be absolutely shocked. Of course they were related. And I thought it was interesting that he said that he thought that he was in the room for the last phone call. Um, yeah. But knowing all of that, to sit up there and say, oh, this guy just wants to be comfortable and take the easy route. And again, as I said yesterday, all you could have said was, look, he asked for things that we weren't comfortable with. We don't do business like that. We couldn't meet in the middle. It's unfortunate. But guess what? We got a great fight. God bless Francis. Maybe we revisit this in six months after this. Who knows? Essentially what he just said. Yeah. It's like they're admitting that those were good questions to ask and yeah. turning them down was silly yeah like he just said everything about it the way that he was so respectful about the u.s uh ufc and just like i mean just the way he's handling it is it seems very professional and very accepting like you were like uh can you still go to the ufc pi <laughs> he sort of laughed it off he's like nah dude I, I don't think so i don't work there anymore nah i mean it's just uh yeah. an amazing thing go ahead i was just gonna say i mean you know again i, I mean my my thoughts on this clear yesterday that you know, prom- promoter talk should be taken with a grain of salt at all times. But what's odd about it is like, why wrap two lies into it, right? Like, it's the John Jones implying that, you know, he doesn't want to fight with top level competition and John Jones, but then also making it for more money as if money was the sticking point, as if money was the issue and not the other things to be addressed. So yeah, just a just an odd kind of way to, to approach that knowing what the actual situation was a lot easier to just say, because if you're Dana White, if you're the UFC, you know Francis Ngannou is going to speak at some point, right? You know that there's just not a world where he just doesn't say anything for the, for the rest of his life and career. Why not just say less? Say less. Yeah. Thanks, Francis. It was great. Um, good luck. See, see, Look hope, at this maybe great heavyweight fight we have for the right. title. Yeah. Like just like that's um, that's really all. You, <laughs> that's really all you had to do. I mean, even Francis himself was saying that he's excited to watch the fight. It's amazing, though, when you think back to Dana not putting the belt around his waist, to Dana not showing up at the press conference, to the comments back in 2018, it had to have driven him nuts that he had a guy as good as Francis, a heavyweight, with his backstory, with his look, with his power, with his skill, and they couldn't keep him, right? And so that's the byproduct of what you saw on Saturday. Uh, that was, I think, as someone said to me last night, like, that was a humble Dana. That that was, you know, the Dana post slap incident showing up there and biting his tongue on a few things because four years ago it's an even worse version of him completely burying the guy if that wasn't a complete burial whatever you get the point and so to let a guy like that walk it's true it is unprecedented now dana said it's only happened twice before i I still don't know why he compared it to fedor because fedor they never had on their contract they just couldn't come to terms on a deal with fedor it's wild that nate diaz just went through the same thing his matching period not waived as of right this second, but it's crazy that this has happened now twice in the span of four or five months. 
tell me what you think of this. I think the comparison to Fedor is that Dana White feels like they gave everything they could mm. and it and it wasn't accepted. I think that's where the mentality yeah, is. Possible. Right? They they took all out all the stops that they possibly could, or in their mind, in Dana White's mind, that they possibly could. They wanted Fedor badly. They wanted Francis Ngannou badly, and they couldn't get it done. That's that's how I interpreted it. Because obviously there have been other people who have been um, possible to negotiate with, but I, I I that is how I read it. Yeah, possible. Although again, to dismiss all the other stuff um, is a little disingenuous. So what do you guys think? What's your prediction? I asked him his prediction, and he was actually quite forthright with it as he was throughout the entire conversation what do you think gc where when who what's like let's let's plant our flag right now and interesting by the way joshua and uh and fury everyone always pairs him with wilder i feel like for some reason and he didn't mention wilder initially which i thought was interesting but what's your prediction i stand by what i said yesterday boxing for sure is mm-hmm. where i think he's gonna go i mean I, I felt like he echoed those those sentiments when I'll say, I'll say August of 2023. I think we see him fight this year. I don't think it's going to be against Tyson Fury. Oh man, Anthony Joshua. On the spot right now, as a filler, I'll, I'll say against Joshua, but I feel zero confidence in that. Zero confidence. I don't. I don't know who he's going to fight. That's the thing. I think he's going to box. I think he's going to box in 2023. I just haven't decided on on who I think it's going to be against. Okay. What about you, Rick? Yeah, he's going to box. It's going to be this year. But the opponent, I think what Francis Ngannou is about to find out is how much harder it is to make a boxing fight than it is to make a UFC fight. I think he's about to be introduced to a world that is a lot trickier um, in terms of getting sides to negotiate, is a lot more protective of people's record, right? You you don't want to be the boxer. You don't want to be Tyson Fury, uh, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, any of these guys who comes in and gets starched by the MMA guy. Um, it is going to be very difficult, I think, for him to get a, a top-level fight. I think it's going to be difficult for him to get a fight at all, frankly, um, of any note, uh, just because of his status. So, yeah, I, th- I think he will box. I don't know who it's, up ag- uh, who it's up against because I don't know who's going to be willing to take that risk at that high level. Uh, Tyson Fury probably seems the most game, but I think Tyson Fury's eye is on title unification at the moment. Um, and as I said, you have to kind of pin Tyson Fury down when you need him right at that moment. Otherwise he's, he's gone. Right. Uh, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure who he's going to, who's going to fight, but I, I would, I would be shocked if it wasn't boxing. Would it be yeah. fascinating? Sorry. If he, uh, calls up Eddie Hearn and, and look, one way to get to Anthony Joshua is to team up with Eddie Hearn. Then it's a lot easier to make the fight. Right. So, Hey, match room, let's go. Rick, you make a good if, point with the you don't want to be the guy that gets starched by the MMA guy, and, and Anthony Joshua is coming off of two straight losses, and, and obviously the post-fight speech last time, like, I don't know if he can handle a third straight loss, and the third being to a guy coming over from MMA. I mean, obviously the money is there, but it feels uh, like People the will say, I mean, what, what would what would Anthony Joshua be like uh, as... Well, there's a, talk... There- there's talks of a fight now for Joshua. You know that's that's being talked about. So it it might not necessarily be a third loss in a row. Maybe he picks one up and then fights Ngannou. But if I'm Anthony Joshua, I'm not sure I want to fight Francis Ngannou. Um, I'm really not. Because because yesterday you were telling me you were fairly confident that this was not going to be a uh, successful venture. So why? Just because of the risk? The risk. It's it's yeah. a high risk. It's a it has a a super high risk and a low reward. What what does if if I'm Anthony Joshua, if I'm Tyson Fury, 
what does beating Francis Ngannou do for my boxing career? These these are boxers, right? Yeah, these yeah. are not MMA guys going into a boxing ring. They have ambitions that are. Anthony Joshua doesn't fancy himself an influencer boxer. Anthony Joshua fancies himself a world champion. He isn't on the path to doing more of these fights. That's not his road, and that's not Tyson Fury's road. I think Tyson Fury is obviously a little bit more willing the WWE stuff to kind of play around. Sure. Um, as good as he is, which is insane. I mean, that dude doesn't get enough credit. Um, I don't know if if you take a, a high risk, low reward fight like Francis Ngannou. But uh, yes, on one, a, on a technical basis, these guys are are leaps and bounds better. Quite frankly, once in a lifetime though, baddest man versus baddest man, heavyweight champ versus heavyweight. Like th- there's there's a lot. It's to only sell it's there. only gonna happen once. You're yeah. right. There's there's a, we get one shot at this. Um, and so I want to yeah, see. There, I don't want to see it with the four ounce gloves. Like I want to see him in a real boxing match if that's mm-hmm. what he wants. Um, let's see this for real. Let's, I agree. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's say let's say Fury faces Usyk, becomes. Undisputed fights Francis Ngannou in August, and it's the, the uh, baddest it's man huge. versus baddest it's man. It's a fucking huge. That's, gonna thing be my, that's my new prediction. I'm I'm changing okay. it over. That's my new it's prediction. It's not a bad Tyson I mean, Fury in August. Jeez Louise, that would sign be, me up. Gives him a little time to get ready. Vegas, um, do it in the uh, in the Raiders Stadium. We're gonna have. Oh to, my God, could you imagine? Jeez no, I literally Louise. couldn't. Have to be, <laughs> the scenes would be insane. I mean, look, they they both teased that. A year and a half ago, right? Yeah. So or weird that a year it just, ago, not even. It was like it was like nine months. It was ago. April. It was April. Yeah. yeah. Nine <laughs> yeah. Okay. Ago. So whenever it was, they they teased that. They said, "Let's do it." I think we're gonna have to deal with four Fury retirements at the time between then. But it's maybe it's we all can right get as there. long as it happens. And <laughs> and I don't know if we put too I, much I stock into this stuff, but like, if you don't think Francis and can hang with those guys in terms of popularity, notoriety. Like, just look at the interest in this story over the last few days. Like, Francis and is on their level. People care about his story, about what he does, uh, the way this story plays out, all that stuff. Let me ask you guys this. If Francis goes and box, and, you know, it could happen, he loses. Does that hurt him as an MMA fighter? Does he then lose power leverage, all that stuff, if he then goes to Bellator, PFL 1, all that stuff? Yes. Hurts him big time, in my opinion. Really? Huge. Uh, you think against because, the top tier in boxing, it, it hurts him? Yeah, because first of all, I think there's probably... If you if you ask who the baddest man on the planet is, I'm not sure that people would say Francis Ngannou. I, I think a lot of people would say Tyson Fury. Um, if, you, if you lose, then not only are you putting yourself underneath Fury, potentially, you're also putting yourself under, potentially, Gon or Jones. So yeah, that would be... That would be very bad. Didn't hurt stock, Connor, in my opinion. Different, different, different levels, different game. That's not the game. What do you mean? I, I, because Francis Ngannou is not Conor McGregor. He's not. He's not the prolific megastar superstar who can go do anything that he wants and force the UFC's hand. Francis Ngannou is a guy that broke up with the UFC. No, um, but I'm saying and people didn't view upon, Connor differently as an athlete because he lost to Floyd Mayweather. I'm not talking about star power. I'm just saying as an athlete. You said, does it hurt his stock? Yeah, okay. Um, if you're even, asking even me, like, it hurts his stock huge. Does it hurt? Do do I care? Like, what does my opinion of how Francis Ngannou competes as an MMA fighter change if he loses to one of the best boxers in the world? Of course not. Do I think that it hurts his stock drastically? Yeah, big time. He is no. You can't oh, man, call him know. the baddest man. I don't agree. If he loses, I don't that know if fight. I, agree. I mean, yeah. Maybe now, if he gets knocked out him... in 15 seconds, yeah, yes. that's one thing. If he goes the distance with one of these dudes with no pro bouts, it's a great job. Clap, clap, clap. Commendable. You don't he think Bellator be wants him then? The planet. 
I think yeah, they you, want him, but I think his his leverage will be significantly reduced. Oh, uh, yeah, I disagree. Like if he goes the distance with Tyson Fury and like he he puts on a commendable performance, I think Bellator would still pay him a ridiculous amount of I'm money not, to enjoy the. Enjoy I'm not the arguing that they won't still. I'm arguing that he could get a better deal with Bellator right now than if he goes out there and loses to Tyson Fury. I don't think that's arguable, in, in fact. I mean, maybe not arguably, but you're saying that the stock is going to take a huge hit. I don't think it's going to be a huge yeah. hit. I disagree. All right. Well, we're allowed to disagree. He's, he's, also, he's also got limited options, right? If he loses that boxing fight, now his potential options are Bellator or another boxing fight now coming off a loss. So if perhaps, he wins the fight, yeah, the sky is. I mean, the, if I mean, he wins the fight, like, like, the man is the king of the world. He's printing like, money. If he goes yeah. in there, like it's done. He's now the the boxing heavyweight champion. So like, perhaps what you're advising high risk is for him too. Should he make all these deals before the next fight? Hundred percent. Right. Line okay, up an so MMA. All right. Line up an MMA organization that allows you to go take a boxing fight and go take a boxing fight. And by the way, I mean. I like that plan. If you're Bellator or PFL, are you saying no to that deal? I'm not. No, no, you can't. They just How let Dylan Danis go box. You? No, but I'm just saying, like, to say that I have the UFC heavyweight champion on my roster is a huge yes. have to do this. You can't, you can't say no as as one of those levels of organizations. You want to talk about who's the number two organization? You sign Francis Ngannou, that makes that gives you a huge bargaining chip on you being the number two organization. I, I think we have to be honest about Francis Ngannou, right? It's one title defense. Like we we have there's a certain point where we have to I listen, I respect the hell out of the guy. I said it yesterday. What he is doing is monumental. I think it will have an impact. What impact it is, I'm not sure. I think that remains to be seen, but I think he's now an example for many other fighters and athletes kind of con- how they're conceiving their careers moving forward. But it's one title defense. Like we're not talking about if John Jones on the heels of his long championship reign left. We're not talking about Habib Nurmagomedov in his but it's, prime. But it's a title from, defense after beating the, you know, most decorated heavyweight champion of all time. The 100%. All, you know it's what I mean? And also, defense, it's, 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 also ignoring, it's also ignoring the fact that it took them a hell of a long time to give him that title shot. Remember, they, they freaking dragged their feet all over town with that one. So I get what you're saying. He doesn't have that uh, Kamaru Usman title defense record by his side. Yeah. But... The guy did work in the most volatile weight class possible um, and then walked away with the belt. It's pretty fucking no crazy. Doubt. It is tremendous, but it is not. I'm it not going to allow you to disparage the great name of Francis Ngannou. I'm sorry. It, his stock will take a hit if, if his next oh, fight is Going back to that? No, of course. Anytime you lose, your stock takes a hit. But I think if it's – it really depends on how he – Loses sure. if he loses again. If he wins, it's fucking game over. Like Jesus Christ. Then he might have to go back there's to no, Bellator no PSL ceiling. and be like, "Yo, can we restructure this deal?" Like now, I, <laughs> you if, know what I mean. If he wins, I think the UFC might might come back to the table and change, I mean, yeah. change their If he wins, he's not quick. going to Bellator PFL. He's talking to wow. Eddie Hearn and Dana White on you know. Mega and, and, and by the way, great point. In these cases, I, I think I've watched enough pro wrestling, and I know the UFC holds a grudge a little differently than Vince McMahon. I've seen enough people. That we thought would never come back, come back. So I'm, I don't feel comfortable saying like he will never fight for the UFC again. Um, obviously, there's a lot at play here, and he's asking for things that they don't want to, you know, they don't want to give up. But crazier things have happened in this crazy ass world of combat sports. 100. If if that potential business is on the table, 
your your stances on things start to change a little bit. I Maybe be all shocked. of a sudden that sponsorship doesn't look so bad. Right. I, by the way, I wouldn't even be shocked if John Jones wins. If Gon wins, it might be different. But if Jones wins, especially in emphatic fashion, if he doesn't have a deal by March 4th, which is possible, March 4th isn't that far away. It's only a month and a half away. And they're like, yo, all right, let's talk about this one more time, right? Yeah. Two fights. Well, that's Two the fight beauty. Contract. Yeah. Francis, John Jones twice. Francis Ngannou can do whatever he wants. That's the beauty of it. He's he's not. It's not a situation where it's okay. Now, what can I do beyond the UFC? He his options are unlimited. He has he has all the potential options in the world, and it's why he fought so hard to get here. And now he has that that flexibility and and that um, freedom. I mean, he spoke about the word freedom and respect over and over and over. Right. And now he has it. He has unlimited resources at his disposal. He is the man. He is the king. Have you ever seen someone who has no home at the moment, right? Like work, employment, in this case, promoter, promotion, whatever, just be so happy and relieved. Like you could just feel the relief coming off the, the screen, right? No, like I just, envy him. I yeah. envy that. That's incredible. <laughs> the, the, the relaxation that yes. he just had about, about everything, about his whole life right now is, I, I envy that. It's, it's incredible. I think there's, there's also a power to the idea that the UFC wanted him, right? Now he knows in, in his head, yeah. now in his free agency, he knows the most significant organization in the sport that I've competed the longest in offered me this amount of money. And I said, no, what are, what could be after that? There's a, there's a lot of possibility on the other side of that. So yeah, man, good for him. Good he, for he him. He did man. the damn thing. And again, not about the money. Like we, we, we hate on athletes all the time. This guy left, I guess in the range of eight, nine, 10, seven, somewhere in that range, it seems like. And just yep. said, you know, there are other things that I want. That's, that is wild. Like, that is not easy. We talk about it just like that is, that is for a guy who grew up, you know, getting paid a dollar 90 cents to, you know, work in the sand mines. And we're talking millions upon millions to be a pro athlete, still relatively, you know, in the prime of his life, right? Mid thirties. Uh, as he said, just started as a 27 year old. Like that is, that is wild shit. And it's not like, it's not like an NBA free agent saying no to the uh, the Mavericks and signing with the Pistons, right? Like the, the money is coming wherever. He, it's, this is the great unknown. I'm sure he knows he's going to get paid, but like he is walking away from the top organization to the great unknown. And on the way out, he was shat on. He's taken a, he's taken a risk, but I think everybody is kind of pulling for him to reap the rewards of this. And yeah. and I I don't doubt that he will. I mean, it, it's risky. In a certain capacity, I think long term it's more risky. I think short term, um, he's probably he's probably going to benefit greatly from this. Gents, great stuff. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. Appreciate your insight. Uh, Francis Ngannou took the uh, the road less traveled throughout his entire life just to make it to this point. From Cameroon to Spain to France to many stops in between to Las Vegas, and once again taking the road less traveled in the world of combat sports. Uh, this is a wild thing, a Tuesday afternoon show. Appreciate everyone who's tuning in. We're Mondays and Wednesdays here on the show, and we're back tomorrow. So we're giving you three shows this week. Frank is asking for overtime. I'm still working on the overtime, Frank. I get paid for this? Oh, you love this so much you don't even want to no, get I, paid. Exactly. Francis has set a... A precedent for me. What about Francis, right? Well, Are you inspired? Such a sweetheart. I and, mean, and you guys did a, a really good job unpacking everything. I, I don't know if you explicitly asked the question that you wanted me to 
remind you of, but I feel like he answered it anyway. No, I think he answered it at the beginning. The the question was, uh, wow, look at you, Frank, telling me I didn't do my job. Uh, that is I thought not he addressed it relatively early about that he was asking for these things not just for himself but for everyone. Right. But so I guess the question is. You're talking to PFL. You're talking to Bellator. Do you mention them again? Yeah, I guess. And, was, I'm not I saying assumed. I expect him to. I'm just curious. I feel like he will. Cool. Um, I feel like he will. I mean, he asked the UFC for it. Why wouldn't he ask these other guys for it? Right. But the they'll way, already know coming into it since sure. he's being spoken about it. By the way, um, you weren't able to like fix the Wi-Fi there, like you just. Yeah, like, I just you know we were telling him. Yeah. But um, yeah. I. I think it went really well. <laughs> I know, I'm kidding. You know. Listen, uh, most importantly for me was to hear him, and we heard him just fine. If we weren't hearing, if it was like, uh, 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 that would have been a problem. But So you're um, saying the audio department was on? Audio department was yeah. fucking wow. amazing. I mean, you killed it. You killed it. There we go. Um, there's 24,000 people now. I feel like watching, I feel like it's almost a shame to say goodbye, but I don't really have anything else to say. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I will remind you that we're back tomorrow. Uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday, our usual slot, already confirmed for tomorrow's show, Can't Stop, Won't Stop, uh, the aforementioned Surreal Gan, the man who is fighting John Jones on March 4th, the aforementioned Stipe Miocic, who says he wants to fight the winner of the John Jones Surreal Gan fight in July. We'll see what happens. Uh, Curtis Blades, who's also very much in the mix. Does he fight Sergei Pavlovich next? We shall see. And also, uh, Neil Magny, who's fighting Gilbert Burns this Saturday at UFC 283. And the legend, the incomparable, the inimitable, the one and only Shogun Hua, who is competing in his retirement fight, this is what we've been told, on Saturday as well. The, uh, the Brazilian great, the former Pride, the former UFC champion will also be joining us. We have a huge show tomorrow. Also on the nose, answer your questions, parlay pals, all that stuff and more. I like these special editions. You only do them for the special ones. Francis Ngannou is one of the special ones. Warranted. Loved it. Can't thank him enough. Can't thank you all enough. It's been a great run over the past few months for this program. A lot of new viewers, a lot of new listeners, and we appreciate you all very, very much. Frankie, I told you you'd be out by three. You could still make that uh, that uh, lunch date. <laughs> Counting the, you know, watching the clock the entire time. I know. You're like, he said three. Oh, he man. said three. What are you uh, going to do with the rest of your afternoon? Oh, you know, Tuesdays are kind of like, you know, a day. You know, I usually go box a little bit. Couldn't do that today. I hope you all appreciate the sacrifices that I, I didn't and see only you bring I, a luncheon. You probably are starving, huh? I, I didn't eat anything. You know, the nerves were a little high. You know, special we show. We couldn't tell one get, all, yeah. you, you felt like I was cool as a cucumber. Certainly. You thought I was nervous. Yeah, like... I had nervous Breaking energy. the fourth wall, you actually handled it really well. Like, I could tell that this was a serious moment, but you yeah. weren't... Yeah, I've seen you more freaked out. Really? Wow, I appreciate that. One yeah. of the most important shows in the uh, history of the program. Maybe one of the biggest. I think the most watched live. Definitely. Right? I mean, what would you know? The, I mean, from I mean, the, the new been era. A year and a half. Uh, we did have a couple big ones, but no, uh, from the new era, of course. I mean, that uh, goes without saying. Very exciting stuff. I live for these things. I live for these things. There's nothing that excites me more. If I could do this type of thing for the rest of my days, I would be the happiest man on the planet. And it's because of people like Francis Ngannou. It's because of the characters. It's because of the fighters who I have the utmost love, respect, and admiration for. And, and, and none more so than 
Francis Ngannou that I have that for because this man has courage, this man has heart, determination, he has self-respect, he has everything that we want from our favorite athletes today. He bared his soul for all of us. I can't thank him enough. I can't appreciate him enough. I wish him nothing but the best. And I can't wait to see how this story unfolds. I appreciate you all very much. Back tomorrow, same time and place. Until then, we say peace. I'm out of here. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.